Well, praise God. I guess we can go home, Tracy. She just preached my message. And now I'm going to put a different twist on it a little bit here this morning. So get your Bibles out. And if you would, go to uh, uh, Matthew chapter 6. Now, last week I preached a message about dead flies. And so today's message is dead flies too. Okay, so this is Dead Flies 2. You're keeping titles on there. And uh, I just want to pray right now before we start. Father, I just declare right now in Jesus' name that as we approach your word, that today, Lord God, I, just, I am believing for a miracle. I'm believing for eyes to be open. I'm believing for understandings to be open. I'm believing where people have been lied to, where they've been harassed by the devil, that, Lord, that today the anointing of God will go forth from this word. And, Lord, it will touch their lives and will break off those heavy bands. It'll break off yokes. It'll break off chains. It'll break off, Lord God, all the things that have deceived the people for so long. And, Lord, put us into that right place with you. And, Lord, I declare this. I plead the blood of Jesus over this, and I thank you for it, Lord, right now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay, so we live in a troubled time. We live in a troubled world. We live in craziness all around us. Every day you think it can't get crazier, it gets crazier, okay? And so it's interesting to me, and the Lord really uh, was impressing the Scripture upon me, and I, I really wasn't going to even share this, and I just put it in my notes during praise and worship, and then Tracy gets up and preaches and says, well, I definitely is God wanting us to get on this one. So uh, this is definitely for someone. Okay, so Matthew 6, I'm just going to start at verse 25 and just read just verse 25. It says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life more than food and the body more than clothing? Can you believe that Jesus had the audacity to stand up and to tell people you shouldn't be worried about life? When all we do is worry about life. Every one of us, listen, I'm guilty. You know, you, 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 I mean, as you get older, you start worrying about retirement. And you start thinking, well, how am I going to retire? And you can just get all caught up, but Jesus says right here, listen to me. Don't worry about your life. And you're like, well, yeah, Lord, but you're not down here. You're up there in heaven sitting on the throne with all the angels, and they're bringing you food and stuff. And what are we supposed to do? We're down here in this mean old world. Now the devil old slew foot running around here and, and his pitchfork. And bless God, it ain't easy. And life's hard. And you're crazy. It's about time I get ahead. Then crazy government does something, takes all my money. I'm preaching good. I mean, really, I'm just telling you the truth. We live like that. We say we're Christians. We come to church. Jesus, I love you. I trust you. You're everything in my life. Get out to the car. Oh, my God. This is the price of gas. You know how much it costs us to go to church this morning and what we're doing? Oh, God. The cost of food. We can't. We're going to be eating spam before long. Of course, I'm sure spam's gotten high, too. I think it's so funny that, you know, the medical world is all like we're, you're overweight, you're diabetic, you're... You know, just cholesterol's high and all of this. And, you know, the American public, y'all need to eat healthier and all that. But then people that are on fixed incomes or even just low incomes, which the majority of us are, and you can go over to the Sonic and get you 12 hamburgers for $5. Well, what are you going to do? Well, everybody's going to go eat the 12 hamburgers. And they say, well, you shouldn't do that. Well, you got everything so messed up. And 
All I'm saying to you is he says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to put on. Like, see, I'm blessed. My wife does all my clothes shopping for me. Y'all just know anything other than my hat has been bought by my wife. And she does it all. I do not know. I still, in my mind, don't even anybody say anything. Don't even holler a number out. Because I'm still paying the same price for clothes as I was 35 years ago. Because that's the last time I walked in a store and saw a price. Okay? So I'm just happy. She buys them, gives them to me. I just, whatever. Cheap. Buy another pair. But in doing that, I can tell y'all, I don't worry about the price of clothing. Because I'm not involved in it. Oh, isn't that an interesting thought? Because Jesus says we're not even supposed to take thought or care or worry about our life. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I read this this week, man. I got so convicted. I was like, woof. Woof. Okay, look down at verse 33. Still Matthew 6, look at verse 33. But he tells us what to do. It's not like he just left us, oh, y'all don't worry. But then he tells us what to do. Seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, your relationship with Jesus is what you're seeking after. And in having this deep relationship with Jesus, you're talking to him all the time. So you're not worried about what's going on because you've already been talking to him and he's ministering to you and he's speaking to you and you're reading his word and his word's alive to you and it's coming into you and your prayer time is rich and you're seeking the kingdom and his righteousness and in that communication with him, then peace comes in your heart because you know everything's okay. Now, I'll just tell you all this. Y'all can, y'all can, whatever, you can do whatever. Used to be a free country, you can do what you want to. But I want you all to understand something. My relationship with Jesus is not one where I have to pray for an hour to get an appointment. My relationship with Jesus is the moment I wake up and get some consciousness to me, get my first cup of coffee going, and walk outside, I immediately say, I say it like this every time. I've been saying like this for 45 years. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Jesus. Morning, Holy Spirit. I just thank you, Lord. I come before the throne room of God this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. And I'm in. I'm in with Isaiah, Ezekiel. I'm in there. I'm in the throne. I don't even, I don't even have a thought in my mind that would might say, well, maybe they didn't open the door. You know, maybe I need to do an hour of repentance before I can go in. Maybe I need to, you know, those thoughts don't even come to me. I'm in. I'm talking to my heavenly father, the creator of heaven and earth and all therein. I'm talking to Jesus, the king of kings, and the Holy Ghost is standing right beside me to tap me on my shoulder if I'm getting out of line. That's just the way I see it. I know it. I, you can't tell me it's not. You could come out there. You could get all the scientific radar, whatever you wanted to do, and say, you're just standing out in your front yard. Don't make no difference to me. I'm in the throne room. I know that's what the scripture says. It says this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything. So when I'm asking in my prayers, I know that they're being heard in heaven, right? 
Okay, now y'all just follow me through on this. You say, oh, pastor, you're so amazing. No, just follow me through here. I know, I know my prayers are being heard. I know I'm standing right there in the throne room. I know that, you know, that the stenographer in heaven is taking my request down. Okay? So then I pray. I do my praying, do all my talking, do whatever, you know. Go over the prayer request. Go over what, oh, yeah, oh, oh, Joe needs help over there. Oh, yeah, Lord, you know, so-and-so, he's sick in the hospital down there. I don't know what to do with him, but you do. I'm just praying for him. Get him on the list. Get him going, you know. I'm, I'm praying, talking a lot, whatever. And then I leave. All right, all right, I got to go to work. You know, I got to go make breakfast or got to go feed the animals, got to go do something. So I, I take off on work. And then you know what? It doesn't take very long. And this is what I want to preach to you all this morning. It doesn't take very long after that. If you don't watch what you're doing, to get yourself right back over into the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things that come in and try to choke the word out of you. And I'm going to preach you happy this morning because if you can grab what I'm going to tell, I'm going to preach to you. And you can grab hold of it and hang on to it and learn and grow and get stronger, you can find happiness in life. Otherwise, you're going to constantly be worried about life. Now, look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 10. When Jesus was wrestling with the devil, and then Jesus said, away with you, Satan. Everybody say, away with you, Satan. How about let's just put it in our vernacular. Get out of here. Everybody say it again. Get out of here. You need to, you need to get this down in you today. Get out of here. I love it in Spanish. It says, vete de aquí. And it just sounds good. It just sounds good. Vete. Get out of here. Right? Okay, so immediately, remember, I've taught you and taught you and taught you. Immediately, you walk out the doors, the devil wants to steal the word. Well, you've been having your good prayer time. You've been talking to Jesus. Everything's been going good. Well, immediately, the devil's going to want to send it to you. So what I was preaching about the dead flies are last week, about the spirit of religion or whatever it be, spirit of apathy, spirit of poverty, spirit of whatever the devil wants to call himself, okay? He wants to come drop a dead fly in your great meal you just had with the Lord. You were just feasting at the tabernacle of heaven on a good meal and a dead fly fell in it. And he wants to ruin your meal. And you got to become aware of dead flies. You got to become aware of when the enemy's coming into you and he's lying to you and you're starting to worry and take back up your life which is supposed to have died on the cross with Jesus, and you're worried about it. Well, you said, Pastor, you don't understand. They told me I got cancer. Okay, that's a bad one. But Jesus is still on the throne. He knows. It's not like you went and prayed, Jesus. The doctor said, I got cancer. And Jesus says, oh, no. Right? I haven't heard. I'm so sorry. You don't go to the throne and get answers like that. What I'm saying to you is, church, Jesus wants us to live a life where we're not worrying. And then, you know, you go to the medical field and you look at it. What's killing most people and all the diseases that are related is it come about by stress. So you think maybe Jesus 2,000 years ago had the answer to get out of stress and be healthy? 
Huh? Just don't worry. Now, everybody say, get out of here. You've got to learn to tell the devil to get out of your life. You've got to quit listening to the lies. You've got to quit listening to what, what he's coming in. And you've got to become very keenly aware of what's happening to you in life and what he's trying to trip you up on. Okay? Now, let me just give you a couple of scriptures. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. It says, Jesus, having disarmed principalities and power and made a public spectacle over them, triumphing over them. Jesus has already triumphed over the devil. There is not a battle to be fought with the devil. The devil is defeated, but he's not off this earth. He ain't going to get off this earth until the the. The time of the end times, the millennial reign starts happening and all that kind of stuff like that. Then that's over. But right now, he's still loose to Oslufik and still walk around. Okay? He can still walk around and he can still whisper to you. Now, you have power and authority over him because you don't have to listen because you are no longer bound or caught in the cords of his web in this life. But that doesn't mean he's, you, he, he's not going to try to talk to you. So you got to learn to say, get out of here. You got to learn to catch it before you've gotten into worry and anxiety and stress and already, you know, eaten the tums. Jesus has already won. I mean, you can look at another scripture, Luke chapter 10, verse 17 through 19. It says, a 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample over, the, over serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, 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 all of the power of the enemy, all of the power of the enemy, all of the power of the enemy. Do you getting it? Not partial, not 50%, all of the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Jesus said that. Is Jesus a liar? You see, folks, this is what I want to tell you. When I read my Bible, like, like, like now they're trying to, you know, redo the Bible. And so, but anyway, I read my Bible. And there's all these scriptures where, uh, what are you going to do with them? Anything you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. I mean, you're going to say, well. I don't know. We won't have to do something with that, you know, because I've, I mean, we've, we've, you know, we took a hundred Christians and surveyed them and said, how many times you asked God for something he gave it to you and you didn't? And so we're not so sure that one works. Is that where we're going to? Are we going to have the, the artificial intelligence now go through and, and pick up the, the Bible and start to dictate to us what scriptures are true and what are not? You, I can guarantee you when that, that AI the one scripture that it'll start to deal is pay your taxes. That scripture will come out when the artificial intelligence, that'll be in bold print. Be a submissive to the government and pay your taxes. That will be the main, main viewpoint of that. Hello? What are we going to do with those scriptures? See, it's so funny to me that Christians will, will take the scripture. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, and Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you will be saved. Oh, okay. Yes, I believe it. Father, I, I ask you to come into my life, la, 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 la. And they'll say, it. oh, yeah, okay. Praise God, I'm saved. But then he said, okay, now it says anything you pray and ask, he'll do it. Well, I don't know about that. What do you mean? 
Why do we pick and choose the scriptures that we believe and the scriptures that we don't? And I'll tell you why. Go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 1. Isaiah, verse 2. Isaiah 1, 2. It says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nursed, I have brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know my people do not consider, alas, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward. Why should you be stricken again? You will revolt more and more. Your whole head is sick. Your whole heart faints. From the sole of your foot to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed or bound up or soothed with ointment. Isaiah says the reason why is because you're sick in your head. <laughs> Because you've got wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. The reason why we have so much doubt in our life is because through your life experience, you have had wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. But I'm asking you today, have they been healed? Because how many of you know if there is a putrefying sore, what gets around that? Flies. So the enemy's always looking for the wounds and the bruises and the putrefying sores so that he can kick off some flies in it and get you off to worrying and fretting and in whatever else it's going to lead to. So what we have to be quick to recognize is when we're not healed in our souls. We've got a wound, a bruise, or a putrefying sore. I've had over, you know, over 30 years of pastoring, I've had people say some ugly things to me. Just happens. People say ugly things, hurtful things. And at the moment they say it, I can honestly tell you, I get mad. And I honestly can tell you that the first thought to my mind, and I, I'm going to win one of these days, is not, oh, I love you, God bless you, is I want to punch your lights out. And my goal is in life is the next time somebody does that, that I'm going to finally develop myself into the man of God that I should be and just say, God bless you, you know, and not let it get me. But I've had to overcome those wounds. And listen to me. If you leave a wound unattended, it's going to turn into a putrefying sore. The key to walking in victory and not getting into worry and doubt and all this living this life of torment, is you got to be healed of your wounds because then flies aren't going to be coming around. But you got to recognize it. you got a wound. Now, you're, you're wanting, if you fall into the trap of, you know, I can't believe they said that. They're talking about me. And you're just going to go off. You know, and you're just going to go off. 
All you're doing is making the wound worse and more flies are going in as fast as you're seeing. The devil's just flipping flies right in you. And so what's going to happen is, man, you're going to have a whole infestation. Before long, you have screw worms. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. That's okay. You can go look it up. When I was a young man, it was my job to ride on my horse with a saddlebag full of the nastiest smelling medicine you've ever in life. You didn't want to get it on you, but, Lord, you were going to get it on you. And every calf, everything that was born, every animal that had a, 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 a like the navel or whatever, or if it got a wound in there, there was going to be a flag in there. They were going to have screw worms, and they were going to die unless you caught it. Got the screw worms out with a piece of, usually a piece of baling wire, you know, and rake them out, put that medicine on there. So just imagine, those of you that think everything's so troubled right now, at least you ain't messing with screw worms. I say that to myself all the time. Something's really bad. I say, yeah, at least it ain't that screw worm medicine. <laughs> I do not know what that stuff was. That stuff stunk more than anything I just, oh, my Lord. What? Schmear? That's what it's called. Was it just called schmear because they said, hey, guys, over there and schmeared on him over there. Or was that really the name of the stuff? That was the name of the stuff, schmear. Anyway. I don't know what it's made out of, boy. It stunk. Did I get an amen from you? It was stinky, horrible stuff. It was horrible, man. I'm telling you. Anyway, here we go. If you don't get the flies out, you get the screw worms. This message is just really getting really <laughs> nastier and nastier, isn't it? You know? But I, what I'm saying to you is if you realize what was going on, folks, listen to me. Nobody, no, nobody in here, y'all, y'all wouldn't eat dead flies. You wouldn't. If your plate came out and you thought it was raisins and you put your glasses on and looked, it's dead flies. <laughs> Nobody in here would eat it. But you're eating it spiritually. What I'm trying to say to you is we're eating it spiritually and the devil is twisting our tail and getting us all worked up and chunking dead flies. And spiritually speaking, we're eating it. Why? Because we're wounded. And we got bruises that we have not allowed the power of God through the Holy Spirit to come into our life and heal us because we won't turn loose of it because we're still in the flesh. Now, just so that I can keep confirming myself, it doesn't say anything in the Bible about screw worms, but it's close. 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. It says, now, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies of hypocrisy, having their own consciences seared with a hot iron. So these, Paul already told Timothy in these days that we're in right now that there's going to be, how, how could he write that? What do you mean deceiving spirits? The deceiving spirits have got to be speaking to you. You can't be deceived unless somebody told you a lie. Right? You know, there's a lie that goes on in utopia about me. They I might as well, you know, if you hadn't heard it, uh, you just hadn't been listening or been in, you know, the right places. But one of the things is, is that the reason why our church is so successful is that I smuggle drugs from Guatemala and Mexico through the foreign missions here, and that's why we're so prosperous as a church because I'm 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 a drug smuggler. Yeah. So now that that's all been revealed. And this has been going on for years and years. It always is that I'm a drug smuggler, and that's how we prosper. 
Because nobody can believe that we could just be good people, brought together, tithe, believe God. God does miracles. It's, that's, that's not easy. That, you, that's too hard to believe. It's easier to believe you're a drug smuggler. But there are people that don't come to this church because they believe I'm a drug smuggler. I'm serious. All right? And so my point is, flies get dropped in people by deception, and then that keeps people from finding Jesus or going on with God, living in doubt, whatever, because these flies get thrown in. And this is what the devil always wants to do. And it says, Paul specifically says, there's going to be demons that are going to be flying around and trying to deceive people in the latter days. And he's flipping flies, I'm telling you. All right? You're not demon-possessed because you walk in in doubt. You've just got dead flies you're eating on. And you've got wounds and bruises and putrefying sores that need to be healed so that you can be whole and not listening to the voice of the devil. My goodness, we are professionals at listening to the voice of the devil. We say, I don't know, God never speaks. God, he doesn't ever speak to me. I don't ever hear God speaking. Yeah, but you listen to the devil continually. You say, what do you mean? Any doubt and unbelief that comes into you as a Christian, I'm talking to you as a Christian. If you're a born-again Christian, a believer, and you're trying to live for God, and you're just trying to get up that day, and the thought comes to you, I bet when I drive to San Antonio, I want to have a flat on the side of the road, and then I want to get out and fix a flat, and the truck's going to run right over me. That did not come from God. Now, it may be a little inspiration from the devil in your flesh, but it's still all demonic in nature. So if you live like that, constantly looking, the doorbell rings, oh my gosh, I bet somebody's here to take from me, steal from me. Right? You're living in torment. Those are dead flies that the devil has dropped off, tormenting spirits that are associated with you because you're living in a place of sores and wounds, and it's, you're, you're in the place where that's where he gets the most activity. So how do you get away? Well, you get over here, and you start praising God. 1 John 5, 18 says, We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. So if you keep yourself, then the devil can't touch you. How are you, where are you keeping yourself? In the word, under the blood, in a fellowship with Jesus. You're keeping yourself, so therefore the devil's got no place to flick a fly. Ah, oh, man. The battle is just to keep ourselves out of the flesh. To be attentive and, and watch this. What's that's a lie. Look at Romans 8, 5. It says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their mind on the things of the flesh. Okay, if you set your mind on the things of the flesh, you set your mind on every doubtful, unbelieving thing that's coming from the, the news networks, you're not going to have peace. Well, but we've got to keep up with what's going on in the news. Well, that's got to be balanced with what the Word of God says and what He says. Folks, I can tell you all. 
The Bible says that the closer we get to the end days, the worse things are going to get. I'm telling you, I'm trying to teach you this message and, and get this into you because I really felt like the Lord told me there was going to be a rise in the spirit of religion going on in the world and that the spirit of religion is one of the principalities that's around this area. And I don't mean religion like, you know, like you've got the big cross and the, you know, like this. I mean that, that the devil comes in and tries to lie to you. This whole thing going on in the, in the uh, you know, that world and uh, try to keep myself on the air. And that world is all trying to say that as a Christian, you've got to love. And love is the deal, but they don't understand that the love is, yes, we love you. And we don't want you to live in that lifestyle. So they twist. That's the spirit of religion, twisting the word, twisting the word. Oh, my gosh, we've had some of the worst, the most, I don't know what the word is, whoremongerish politicians using the Bible quotes to try to put their, push their agendas. And I'm like, what? That's a spirit of religion. And I feel like the Lord's telling me there's going to be a rise in the spirit of religion. And you really as Christian, good Christian people need to be so sensitive to it. You're just like, ah, that's a lying devil. Away with you. You're quick in your own. And somebody saying, did you hear? Ah, that's a lying devil. Away with you. <clears throat> but you're not going to do that if you're an open wound just needing some more flies. Because if you're an open wound, then you're just going to get attracted with the rest of the walking dead and get over there with them and just, y'all just be a big swarm. So he says here, if you set your mind on the things of the flesh, then you're going to do those things of the flesh. But if you set your mind on the things of the spirit, you're going to walk in the spirit for the be carnally minded is death, right? But if you spiritually minded is life and peace. That's the difference between walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit. Walking in the spirit's not a complicated thing. It just means you quit thinking what the devil does. <coughs> walking in the spirit didn't mean you got up that morning and you've got your chart and you've got this X number of hours you prayed and all this stuff and you're just like, oh, oh, and you walk in everywhere. And a glow coming off you, and you got your halo on, and all of a sudden, that ain't walking in the spirit. Walking in the spirit just means you just are quick to detect the devil. Oh, get out of here. Right? You're just on, you're just you're just you're in tune to what's going on in the attack of the devil. And you said, That's of the devil. Get out. You're talking to somebody and they say, No, 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 don't listen. That worrying is gonna cause stress in your life, and then you're gonna end up with diabetes. Are y'all with me? And I'm telling you, the days are going to get worse, but that doesn't mean we sit there and bite our fingers and say, oh, God. No, it means we need to get sharper. And to get in shape for what we've got to go through in the future, we just have got to get sharper and be able to spot the devil and say, no, that's a religious spirit. That's just a lying devil. No, that's not right. Did you hear? No, that's wrong. It's the wrong news. You listen to the bad news. You need to listen to the good news. If you go look at, I don't want for time's sake to go through it, but if you go look at Matthew chapter 5, at the Beatitudes, you know, chapter 5, verse like 3 through 12, and you read through the Beatitudes, okay? Who's blessed, right? Let me just read it. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. When I first read the Beatitudes, I was like, these dudes don't sound like they're in too good a shape. You're calling them blessed, but we're talking about the mourning and, and poor and mourning and, and uh, meek and 
Blessed are those that are hungry. I mean, I first read this. My first reading of Matthew chapter 5 was I was like ready to quit being a Christian. I was like, if this is the blessed, guys, I don't want to be a part of this. I mean, this does not sound good. For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So it goes on and on, and you can keep reading it. But what hit me and what the Holy Spirit showed me one day was that in every case when he's talking about the Beatitudes, it's the heart attitude of the person. So in other words, that person is a healed person. Their heart's been open to the Lord so that they could be healed and restored, and they're not wounds, bruises, and putrefying sores. There are people that are meekly going to the Lord and saying, Lord, I just love you and I praise you and you're so awesome. And then, therefore, they're going to inherit the earth. Then what's going to happen is the Christians that are deceived are the ones that won't let themselves be healed. They won't repent for the sins that they've committed. And folks, listen to me. Doubt is sin. We always want to point the fingers at the, you know, the smokers. I mean, take them smokers in the airports nowadays, poor guys, they put them in there like fishbowl. Like you walk by, they're all in a plexiglass deal, and people are watching them like we used to watch aquariums. <laughs> look at that and puffing over there. He's getting a good toke over there. You look at him. Poor old smokers just got them. This, this is the biggest sinners on the face of the earth. I mean, you know, snort cocaine over there, the big old long pinky nail. You know, snort cocaine. Everybody's like, oh, he's just snorting cocaine. Oh, he's smoking. Oh, my God, get him out of here. My dead secondhand smoke. Ridiculous. How did I get on that? <laughs> I was going somewhere with that. Oh, doubt is sin. We're sitting around pointing at the smokers when you're saying, like, I don't know how we're going to make it. Yeah. Got quiet all of a sudden in here. See, when it really, when it really bites, when the Holy Ghost really shows you, folks, do you realize? I mean, I'm telling you, when we get to heaven, we're going to be ashamed. And all the tears that the Bible talks about are is us weeping for how little we trusted and believed in the Lord when we see the glory of heaven and everything's there, and we're just going to say, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and we're going to weep and say, oh, Jesus, I'm so sorry I didn't believe you. I am so sorry I wouldn't trust in you. I'm so sorry I didn't go ahead and just take a nation for you. Go to Psalms 112. Let me start wrapping this up. Before, and, and this is, I'm, I'm, well, let me see how I <laughs> Okay, before I thought I had sense, I got saved, just fell in love with Jesus, and God made a way. Literally, I went around the world, preached in all kinds of countries, did all kinds of things, saw all kinds of miracles, saw all this kind of stuff done, and I didn't have a dollar. And looking back, it was really exciting because I just went, I went through places. I went through, I went all over Eastern Europe and, and by myself. I didn't have a tour guide. I just figured it all out and sorted, went through places. I remember going through an airport and I can't remember exactly what country it was in. 
But I remember I, I went through the, and I couldn't read any of the signs. And there was no English, and I couldn't read any of it. And I just kept looking, thinking, golly, where do I go? And I just wandered and just went through and, and uh, had my little Walkman. Y'all remember a Walkman? With a CD that I had made up with all the scriptures that I had put on there, which are basically, you can make it, you won't die, you will get home, everything will be okay. When my ear was playing as I was walking through the airports, and I remember finding these two little old German ladies. I assume they were German. They, they talked like my old aunts. And I was like, I, they look kind of nice. And they couldn't speak a lick of English. But I followed them to the airport. And just by the grace of God, they were going the same where I was going. I'm just telling you miracles and things that happened when I was just trusting and believing in God with absolutely no way to rescue myself. But you see, we all want to be so secure because we really want to rescue ourselves. Because believing in God, for some reason, we count it as difficult. It's hard. What if he doesn't? It must sound to me like you have a trust factor there. Did I tell you to go to Psalms 112? One. 112, one. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Who delights greatly in his commandments. Huh? His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house. And his righteousness endures forever. Now, come on. Does this sound like a place you want to be? Unto the upright there arises light and darkness. And he is gracious, full of compassion and righteous. You know, I don't know what, I don't, I, I don't know what is, was going on. Partially because uh, my wife and I, we built our house 20 years ago, and, and it's been 20 years. But so far, I've had to replace the pressure pump, the stove, the icebox. The icebox overflowed on all my hardwood floors and coupled them all up and had to deal with that. Had to put a propane line in. Couldn't find a stove. Took us two months to get a stove. I don't know what else, but everything that could possibly was an electronical device that we had in the house 20 years ago, you know, it's just, it's just, it's, man, I got 20 years out of it. I counted it as a victory, right? But it all broke in two months. <laughs> everything went to pot, like, like the switch was turned on, and every day, everything was destroyed. It was just like, get up in the morning and say, what now? Okay? I was so proud of my wife and I because we went through this spell better than we've ever gone through a spell like that before. Where after a while, we kind of started chuckling to each other. And I started looking like, okay, what else? It's 20 years old, you know? What's the next thing? And it, and it kind of got humorous. We got through it all cooked on a camp stove for a while we overcame right still alive didn't even lose any weight over it <laughs> all right but my point is you read the scripture and you think everything should be go perfect but I can tell you 
God supplied the dollars. Everything was bought. There were things back in there. Had some discomfort. Had some inconveniences. It's all back. It's all going. And I didn't have to worry about it. I got mad about it. But once I caught myself that dead flies are just trying to get flicked in my life, I didn't worry about it. I just took it to the throne in the morning and said, Lord, uh, we got no place to cook. You with me? And you take it and you go with it. Now, some of you may be facing something that's a whole lot bigger than a stove. But my point is, he's still the same God. And whether it's a stove or a huge mountain that needs to be moved, as long as you'll keep your heart right and you'll get your heart healed so that you can keep yourself and keep the flies off you, God will take you through it. It may not be on your timetable, but it really doesn't matter as long as he's taking care of it. Now, I'll give you one last scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24. Paul's giving Timothy instructions here, and he says, A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. How were those people taken captive? They were taken captive by allowing dead flies to come in the unhealed wounds of their life so that then they listened to the voice of the enemy rather than the voice of God who says, don't worry about anything. I got it. They didn't tell the devil and recognize it and say, get out of here. Vet the decky. Get out of here. And so, therefore, they got snared. So maybe this morning, someone watching, someone in here, you've been snared. If I'm preaching this message, you know it. You've been worrying. Now, did you notice what he said here? That he would grant them repentance, that they'd come to their senses. The whole key is just to repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I've been worrying. That's all I've been doing is I've been worrying. I've been trying to put all this together. I've been fretting over it. I, 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 I'm, I'm just, I got a wound over here. I need it healed. And God will do it. But he's not going to do it unless you recognize it. Because I, the, the, thing about the, the thing about the Lord is he is not going to grab you. See, <clears throat> when we were running the ranch and we didn't, we didn't ask the newborn calf if he wanted us to get the screwworms out of him. We rode up there on a horse. We roped him, got off, threw him down, tied him up, and did it. I sometimes think God would be best to do that with us. Huh? I, I, Y'all hear what I'm saying? I sometimes think that would be the better way for God to do it. Just rope me, throw me down, doctor me up. But God's gracious, and he doesn't do that because he's not going to violate your free will. But if you say, God... I want to be healed, and he's Johnny on the spot. But he wants you to repent and say, Lord, I, I'm sorry. I've been doubting. I've been trying to do this myself. I've been eating dead flies and trying to learn how to like them. 
I'm sorry, I didn't know they were dead flies. I finally have the glasses of the Holy Ghost on. I thought they were raisins, but they're not. And I want to be saved. I want to be delivered. And he'll do it. He's a God of miracles. He'll do it. But are you willing to let him? Amen? Stand to your feet if you would. Praise God. Can I have my prayer team come down today, please? I, I really just want to take some time here and, uh, and just pray. I want to pray over you. But the prayer team's here for you to come down if you want prayer and need help. Sometimes wounds, sometimes wounds take more than just, uh, you know, me praying. Sometimes wounds are, uh, you know, need some stitches. That's why the prayer team's up here. But I just want to pray. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I, I, I just feel the, your love and your compassion for everybody in here. Everybody watching, everybody here, Lord, I just feel your love just wanting to go out and set people free. The high water mark, Lord, is for us not to worry, and we've been worrying, and so, Lord, we repent for that. Trying to figure out how everything's going to go and what's going to happen and what we need to do, and, Lord, we're just today surrendering our lives to you. We believe, John 10, 29, that, Lord, that we're in the palm of the Father's hand and ain't nothing going to take us out. But we're not going to live a life stressed, letting the cares of this world come upon us. We want to live a life of joy and peace and the Holy Ghost. That's what you said. We want to live a life of being able to be lights in the midst of a dark world. That we can speak to the people and, 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 and our friends and encourage them and, and give the good word to them. So, Lord, I thank you right now that you help us to spot all the dead flies in life. All where the enemy's trying just to lie to us and we've believed it, hold us back. But, Lord, we stop right now and look at the greatest thing you ever gave us was salvation. You gave us Jesus. You gave us Jesus. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. So, Lord, we just praise you for it and thank you for moving mightily in our lives. Healing the wounds of our life. Healing those wounds in our life. And, Lord, by the power of the Holy Ghost right now, just break off yokes. Let people's eyes be open. Let them see. Those people that don't have a relationship with you, Jesus, let them see that's the most important thing they can do. Lord, those people that don't know you, let them turn to you and cry out on the name of Jesus and be saved. Lord, those that have just been bound up by the devil, to be able to say, get out of here. And the devil flees. So, Lord, I praise you for it. I ask you to bless these people. Bless them exceedingly abundant, Lord, more than they could ever even think or ask. And we give you the praise for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. We're here to pray for if you need us.